Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Good morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me inside and much cooler today. With me as always... Back in the garage, Brandon Jarrell Newman. Brandon, what's going on, man? Back like I never left, like I don't even know how to be outside. Uh, sometimes you forget to be in person with people. It gets awkward at times. And I know we're a couple uh, weeks and months and maybe years removed from this actually being a thing, especially you, since you're such a well-traveled man. But uh, shouts out to the Baseball's Dead podcast, Joey. Uh, another one of my, my homies who who's a basement dweller, the, the same type of person where we were just talking about how, you know, you got to get used to being outside. Well, especially after the last two years. So for anyone that didn't listen the last couple of days or was not in Los Angeles, we were out doing our podcast live from the DraftKings tent set up at the Major League Baseball fan experience outside the convention center in Los Angeles for All-Star Weekend. And it was, I mean, it was the first time we had done anything live with this show. You mentioned the baseball's dead guys were there too. Emerson Lazia and the rest of the guys from the DraftKings channel were there as well. But like, you couple that, Brandon, with us not having done that before and everyone coming off like pandemic years of our lives where we all have like stunted social skills. And yeah, I think we all have to, I, like, <laughs> you see it mostly in the handshakes like the other day, I went to reach for a handshake with a guy that I've known for a while and almost put the top of my thumb under his. It was one of the most like subtly uncomfortable interactions I've ever had. And that was when I kind of reminded myself like, okay, we're still getting reps back up. Like we're, we're back in the yes. gym getting shots up after a while. Yes, yes, yes. Whenever there's a failed handshake, uh, I just chop it up to chalk it up to, you know, one of us wasn't ready for this. It may have been me. It may have been the the person on the other end. Maybe we should have jumped straight to the hug. Maybe 
We should have said one uh, back in the day. Don't you know when you just say hi and you just raise your hand up like you're like you're in a classroom, but you're like face to face with somebody. <laughs> you just like say hi and you literally just wave at them two feet from their face. It gives me so much anxiety to think about now. Some of the stuff we internalized and normalized as kids, really now in an adult setting, because I've seen people do that. And listen. We all got comfortable with our version of like the COVID dap like that during those years Ooh, when yes. we were still like oh. wearing gloves and not touching hands. Man. But now, that, that, like, still the Nux thing because people are well, remember it was people, elbows for a while. It was elbows for a long time. Yeah, we that didn't last very long. We because we didn't know because then there's that person in every circle that was starting off and usually is the per- first person to greet everyone. I'm a hugger. Come on, bring it in. I do. It's I'm a hugger is almost like, and I, I say this as someone who has said that before because I'm oh an idiot. It's almost like, and I've been watching this season of The Bachelorette again, two Bachelorettes. It's great stuff so far. Still got to catch Ooh. up on this week's episode. But a lot of the guys on the show did the awkward thing where they ask, can I kiss you? Or would it be okay Ugh. if I kiss you? And, right, nothing- no, they, and, they, and they always say right now. Would it be okay if I kiss you right now? And, like, I'm sure they think it's, like, romantic or it's chivalrous because there's notions of consent in it. But, like, all dog, you're on, a reali- you're on a reality dating show right now. You're all old enough. Like, these are people from, like, the age of anywhere from, like, 23 to their early 30s. You're old enough to know the signs when someone who is on basically a dating app come to life is into right. you enough for you to go in and have a kiss. Like, we don't, oh, yeah. we don't need to do this there. And I imagine at that point in time, you'll be able to tell me more than the, uh, than I can. But around that age, isn't kissing like handshaking? Or it was at that point in time for, for you guys out in the Chicago bar life? Cannot confirm or deny, but yeah, like, you know, it's just, you know. Okay, okay, okay. It, we can yeah, move it was, on, too. It was, it was, it's how, it's how some cultures say hello when their BACs are all really high and Kesha's playing in the background. Like it just, and it's really, really cold outside. God, it's so painfully cold outside here. It was not cold in Los Angeles. Thank you to everybody that did come out and check out the show there. It was nice to see some people in person. It was nice to get to be together in person for me and Brandon. We got an awesome show today. It is a Mike and Brandon show today. Brandon had travel coming back out here with long days as as of the recording of this podcast, Major League Baseball's All-Star Game was still a thing that's affecting the city of Los Angeles. So for all those reasons... We didn't book a guest and say we're just going to get to hang out together. But we've got a lot of things to digest here today. One of these stories that pertains to our alma mater that just refuses to ever go away is now Man. back. And it's got a release Ooh. date attached to it. There's yes. also some financial news about what our alma mater reportedly wants, mm-hmm. as well as some other very interesting stuff. But, uh, Brandon, have you like? did you feel yourself when you left Los Angeles change back from L.A. Brandon into Louisville Brandon, like to the father and the husband when you went home? Because the phenomenon, like watching L.A. Brandon in person, when you were walking around the streets of L.A. in your zone, it was a, it was a marvel. It was, it was like watching an artist paint in their preferred medium. I'm literally so pissed. Because this was not in our prep meeting. We didn't talk about this at all. And we were, I, I thought we had leave, leave L.A. Brandon talk in L.A. Because you asked that first question and before you start sliding me. And, uh, I mean, whatever. Your, your truth is your truth. But I was, yes, I, I did. I, I, I felt me leave L.A. Brandon and it was sad. 
It was a sad. It was it was sad to leave. I be, but not, I not not in a not in a not in a like I wish I still lived here way, because like uh, I almost feel like well I don't want to say because you you're in a you're you're going to experience a whole a whole new part of L A as a 32 year old. So what is that? Because again, like like Brandon, it was literally like like a it was like severance. Like I've been watching that on Apple TV Plus, where he's got you know his innie that operates on the inside at work and his Audi, and the consciousness is split. Like it was like putting on a filter on Instagram, where all of a sudden your shoulders slouch back a little bit. You were happy to talk about Los Angeles traffic patterns. You were angry <sighs> when I went to Cabo Cantina with a bunch of the guys from DraftKings for reasons I, was I still not- haven't unpacked yet. I was not angry. I just I've I've lived in Los Angeles enough to Cabo Cantina is not going to be the draw. That's not going to get me out of bed. It's just not. I understand. That I, I I found out that they added karaoke, which may have gotten me out of bed. That that is a little added addition that that may have you know woke me up, woke up this tiger. Um, but I say, hmm. oh, the difference is here's the difference. I was like broke when I lived in L.A. Like not broke, but like, you know what I mean. Like I, it, I didn't ha- I didn't get it like that. I couldn't do Uber Eats every night if I wanted to while I was out in L.A. You know what I mean. I had to pay rent because I lived out by the beach, and it was very expensive to live out by the beach. So I was I was very frugal. So to 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 not have that uh, financial constraints in the city like that, it's almost like walking on air. Because because so because L.A. is a nice place to be broken because you can do a lot of things for free outside like the beach and things like that so it's like it's okay to not be a very wealthy person in that city and still have a really really great time but to have a little cashish and a little cachet makes it even better you mentioned uber eats i do want to ask the people because i want to know if anyone else and we always ask you around here download rate Subscribe, review, Gojo, wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review wherever you get them here. Like this one from Betty LED that said the Papa Roach, this, that, and the third intro is by far my favorite thus far. Love listening to your podcast. You're both doing great. Brandon, the rave reviews continue to pour in for the end of show segment, this, that, and the third, and your Papa Roach intro. I I don't know if you're going to be able to top it, but I appreciate you giving it the old college try every day. No, I I, don't do you appreciate it? Because I, I'm I thinking do. of pivoting and just giving the people what they want, and it, it's it's this that is this that and Papa Roach every day, until 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 we get a review that says otherwise. Until a review says no, Brandon, stretch your creative muscles more. Even though you're saying it right now, I I, I I'm I I am a I am a sheep to giving people what they want. Wise Podcast once said, you got to give the people, give the people what they want. And Mm. we want five-star ratings and reviews. And I want to know if anyone, what's the weirdest place you've ever Uber Eats something to? Because my my friend Brandon, during a flight delay on his way out to Los Angeles, decided that he was going to Uber Eats at the airport where he was delayed. Because apparently the restaurants and all the eateries were closed inside the airport at that point. And so he Uber Eats, went back out through security, and got his food. And it's still, like, I would never have thought of it. So I guess I have to applaud the ingenuity. But I'm just curious, where's the strangest place that people have actually Uber Eats food to? So, Brandon, was this something you had done before? Like, how did you come to this? No, it's not something I've done before. But I just, like, I mean, 
I'm very creative when it comes to eating and, and what to eat and when to eat. I think the biggest dilemma I had wasn't if I should Uber Eats food there. That was like a no-brainer. It was if I should bring the food like a picnic through TSA and eat on the other side or spend the time and uh, eat before I get through t got through TSA. And I decided to do that. And I ran into someone I met hours before, and we had a nice little conversation. And, uh, you know, you know how I am. With, with people. And I'm it, just it glad just you like... didn't go into like a dimly lit subterranean room with them. <laughs> Not at the airport. They they uh, they usher those people out uh, with the swiftness. But yeah, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I had, I had to wait outside for like 30 minutes. But uh, I figured in a day where I was going to be spending a lot of time in an airport, I might as well be standing and be outside for as long as I possibly can. Because that's what people don't talk about when you go to the airplane, airports in, for airplanes. Thing. A day of travel is a lot of time inside. Yes, and? That's like... Great? You say great? You say, So wait, it sounds like you're not only anti-inside, but also anti-sitting. No, 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 no. I'm talking about like indoors. Like once you go on, like an airport day is a lot, is like a, a, an extended time indoors. You don't believe, you don't understand what I'm saying? No, like it's it a lot. So, it is so I get an opportunity. Indoors, but hear me so out. it's like when you're waiting, like when you're waiting on an airport, when you're waiting on your flight, right? If you have a long flight, some people like to stand annoyingly, like obviously by the gate, like, you know, they're in group seven and they hovering around when uh, priorities going through. But like people like to stand because they're going to be doing a lot of sitting soon. So it's the contrast. That's why I was I was my, playing with the contrast. My only thing is I treat airports like casinos where casinos don't put windows and doors and outside shots in there because they want you to lose track of time in there. I'm trying to lose track of time when I'm in the airport, especially if I'm stuck in the airport. And if I go back outside and see the sun, it makes it real. It makes it all mm. real. And now I have to contend with how long I've been trapped inside there if I am stuck in a delay situation. So I like to hunker down. It get myself in a quiet space there and just continue to throw on my headphones to let everybody know we're not open for business. We're, we're not talking to the airport. We're here on a business trip. I head forward, eyes down, unless you are an emotional support dog. That is the only exception. Or like, a wealthy, or like a wealthy benefactor who could change my life. Can you uh, come clean? I feel like you have pet an, a, a service dog while they were working before. You want to come no, clean on that? I I have respect have for I have respect for working dogs. I have never pet a service dog while they are on duty. I respect them at their place of work. I understand those are business hours for them. I got to catch them in the personal hours after the fact. Okay. Okay. And to God, on on every dog that I have ever owned and loved, I have never pet a service dog while they're on duty. Now those emotional support dogs and the one that like plays the piano a little bit in the Minneapolis airport, I've been borderline on the verge of tears sitting there telling that dog I would gladly die for it. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so, here, I got, wait a minute. Before we, before we completely switch off this, I need to know why people are so nosy because every time I talk to them about Uber Eating to the airport, they always want to know what I ordered. And I'm like, can we just leave it at the fact that food was ordered? See, you know what? No, Brandon, this is the same problem. Is I understand where you're coming from, but this is the same as my tattoo conversation, which is once you've brought it up, like you brought up the fact that you Uber Eats it the same way that I have tattoos in visible places on my body, I can't then get upset for people asking the logical next question in this. I can tell them something different than the truth. 
I can lie and I can tell them whatever story I want to. That's my prerogative and my discretion. Ooh, okay, but I can't okay. get upset with them for asking an obvious follow-up because they're just a human being trying to get better at making conversation to go back to okay. our first talk. So I feel, I feel attacked like someone's like literally standing over my grocery cart looking into my like looking at my food. Like I, I think that's a little bit too much. But you're saying that it's just the freedom to say something like, ooh, what'd you Uber Eats? And I was like, uh, two loaves of bread. Right. Like if you no, but it's if you said I Uber Eats something to the airport and then someone follows up and says, Well, what'd you order? Then yeah, lie away. Say whatever you want. Rotisserie chicken, a bag of donuts, a, a <laughs> duffel bag full of wet textbooks. I don't care what it is, but I'm just saying like while I don't like getting to questions, like I've said this on this podcast, I don't enjoy answering questions about what my tattoos mean. But I understand I made the choice to get them in all these visible places where it would be, I think, human nature for people to ask questions. That's all I'm saying. Cauliflower tacos, queso, and churros. I like that instead of like two truths and a lie, it's just probably three lies. <laughs> Which would, be, which would be a great new game whenever we have Stu Gotts on next here. Um, Brandon, we did um, – you and I also ran into the interesting dilemma. So in L.A., I, I think in general, coming off All-Star Weekend, it's – as we talk about the sport in a way where it's supposed to be a celebration of Major League Baseball, we talked to Katie Nolan about all the things she was excited about, Dallas Braden and Jared Carabas as well. It's supposed to be the best of what you got. And I think through All-Star Weekend, we saw between the home run derby, where you ended up having two of the brightest young starts in the game, and Julio Rodriguez, who, you know, Katie said she was super excited about. Everyone loves on the Mariners riding that win streak. Juan Soto, who turned down almost a half a billion dollar bag because he doesn't like D.C., Mm. swearing off in a finals that Juan Soto ultimately won. Awesome. That format is awesome. Dallas Braden said it, and I believe it. That is the best all-star mini game of any of the major sports in the U.S. And I don't think it's particularly close anymore. Where, where we're at with no. the dunk contest right now, I yeah. don't think it's particularly close anymore. So you've got that. Then you get to I, the game. I do I do say the skills, skills challenge NBA just deserves a little bit more fanfare. It's some good stuff. I would say, I would say, especially like the three-point contest, legitimately entertaining as well. Yes. Because again, like all of these things have to do with being something that's not overly taxing for these guys. Now, you could argue the home run derby is pretty taxing, but again, like it's not putting them in any sort of like bad spot physically necessarily. Like right. there was all that stuff about guys worried about how it would affect their swing in the second half of the season, but like I, I think we're a little bit past that. But I look at that because you're right i will give you the skills contest but again home run derby still the tops right now yes and and the fact that you had albert pujols in what a lot of people think was a rigged first round matchup beating kyle schwarber a lot of people thought schwarbo threw that thing and i'm tended to agree with them there that felt like rob manford pulling the puppet strings on that i don't think so i feel like schwarber he had that face he had the same type of face that pete alonzo had when he was like clearly a little bit upset and it was like okay this is not going to be my day like there was that moment in yes. my opinion for Swarber that was like are you thinking that was the throw moment that I thought that was the moment where he's like I know what I've got to do and I'm not happy mm. about it so people can see Albert Pujols in the second round here but he looked so serious when he was getting to the plate like I was like I was like ooh you bring up too but like and, and I think all of this has a common thread for all-star weekend and why it worked because you mentioned Pete Alonso too. The funny part about that is we know Pete Alonso for some reason, loves trying to win the home run derby. It is yes. his calling card in life, the polar bear. 
just lives, breathes, eats, and sleeps so he can come here and mash dingers. So much back so that we champ. saw him meditating out in the uh, out in the dugout, deadlifting and doing weightlifting exercises before the game and getting mocked on the internet for it, which, you know, it's not wrong to be strong. Go ahead, Thick King. But Amen. he also fell into the trap of when you take something really seriously, it really sucks to then watch a bunch of other people who are just going out there balling with ability beat you at that thing. Right. I mean, also, like, he made it so it wasn't fun anymore. No, I can't say I watched the last two home run derbies to, to compare notes to see how, if he was having just as much fun or if he was taking it just as seriously as he was uh, yesterday or, or Saturday when the home run derby happened. But this guy, he, he, was, he was looking to get mocked. He came in here. No, he came in here with a chip on his. He came in here with a chip on his shoulder. While Juan Soto was nervous that his uh, contract conversations was going to overtake the All Star Week, the only headlines that Pete Alonso was reading was three Pete talk. Man, shout! You know what? Shout <laughs> out to Juan Soto because you're right. Pete Alonso took it very seriously. Julio Rodriguez came into this as this 21-year-old darling Ooh. from a Mariners team that's a ton of fun right now. Man. And Juan Soto said, fuck y'all, fuck everybody leaking my contract negotiation details, and fuck what you want out of this home run derby. And he went out there in that final minute of bonus time and mashed those dingers, threw that bat into the sky, and walked out of there with an extra million dollars in his bag. That is a banner week of balling your ass off for Juan Soto, oh and it is oh. only Wednesday. Bro, I was like, I, after seeing the home run derby, I was like, yeah, he better turn down $400 million. He is he is a half a half a billion dollar baby. Mm-hmm. He he is that that's him. Like we obviously we just saw uh, Julio Rodriguez and him go after it, and it's like obviously like the the future of baseball, and it looks so cool and so fun and so young and so trim and so athletic and so easy for those guys that just. Am I didn't Soto have the new longest home run? I think so. Yeah, I mean he smacked the piss out of that thing, and that was after Julio Rodriguez went back to back rounds in round one and round two, hitting thirty two total home runs. It was a tour de force of young folks swinging that lumber. So that was all awesome. And then Brandon, we get to the All Star game itself, and the same theme goes through, which is access. Mm. We get to see all the interaction that went on between players during the home run derby. And then in the all-star game, what do we get? We get guys being able, you know, we get big poppy running through the dugouts, you know, running through the dugouts, checking in on everybody, breaking it down with all his friends. These guys that probably grew up watching him all throughout their lives. We got the poppy cam on the hat. We got, um, God, what was his name? That pitcher that w- basically w- talked through the pitches with the broadcast crew on the mound as oh, he yes. was going I and striking out name. the side. Yes. Oh, it was Alec Manoa from the Blue Jays who went up there and was literally talking through what pitches he was going to throw with the broadcast booth and then struck him out, calling his own shot to end the inning. It was incredible. And like getting to see that, getting to see the personalities in baseball, getting that access, seeing the ump cam from the back, all of it is awesome. And it's a reminder that even in a sport that for so long, we talked to Dallas Braden about this, felt like 
it was incentivizing guys to be less personable, to be less yeah. themselves, to kind of squash that down. There are big fun personalities in baseball. We do have that breadth, you know, a lot of young stars. The one thing I would remind people is very little of that is replicable, especially going down the stretch in the season when you've got teams vying for postseason spots, when you're talking about oh, postseason baseball. Because I, I've already seen some of the tweets, and it happens every year where people go, we need more of this in games in the regular season, more yeah. of this in games in the postseason. And it's like, they're going out there to play to keep their jobs in those games. Like, right. these are all the rich, good guys who are having fun messing around with their friends at the All-Star game. This is not the games that count. So, like, it, it's just right. a heat check for those of us in the non, like, baseball diehard community who love to come in. And I'm guilty of this, too. Try and fix baseball whenever we can. And we'll get to some comments that are actually kind of an indication of someone who is a little bit tone deaf to what's going on in certain Ooh. situations. But I think this is one of those spots where it's great for the All-Star game. And that's what with this weekend is supposed to be. And then from here on out, if you were able to mix in some of that in the regular season probably would be pretty cool but it works here because the stakes are lower and the names are the ones that we all know already that's my only point in all this yeah let's be real all of these all-star games are a uh <laughs> what is the uh, occupy wall street was like the five percenters like yeah. this is this is not a representation of the whole uh there's a lot of people in the minor leagues like you said we'll talk about it later uh that blood sweat and tears that these guys are on the backs of and it's all about narrative because some of those guys were there right I, I say the best thing that i saw this weekend with it comes to the uh, mlb all-star was King Griffey Jr. going full dad mode during the home run derby with instead of taking pictures on an iPad, he had like a NFL sideline professional camera with his huge yes. ass lens oh, just taking so picture good. of everybody. Like like I didn't see it, but I imagine he was telling people to get together and and say and say cheese sandwich. Like act like, like act was, like you like each other. Yes, exactly. And then for him to hand the trophy off, I think that's what the thing is. Uh, one thing to remember about it is it is a reunion for all these former All Stars too, and yep. I think that's why it's good to see. But that's why we want to see like fans. Want, I want to see Barry Bonds out there chuckling it up, like having a good time. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I want to see uh, Mark McGuire somewhere. Like I, I want to see him like out on a truck, sitting on the hood, drinking a beer, like waiting for a ball to come at him. Like I, like I want uh, all all the people that made it important to me involved for as long as possible. I think there's a good balance of that between the old and the new because baseball does have so much good new to promote. So right. I, I think it was a rousing success. And I think some of the little things in there, like the uniforms in the All-Star game where traditionally players would wear their team's uniform in the game representing yes. there, it was awesome for local fan bases to get to see that in there. Major League Baseball and Rob Manfred talked about, you know, turning it over to Nike. They went with one team wearing the white and gold jerseys, the other the gray and gold. I'll say this. I understand baseball purists getting mad. The white and gold are fresh as hell. Those are great. I was going to say them. Those were clean. the the gray the gray the gray needed they needed a V two maybe a V three of that of that jersey. Uh, yep. But that that white and gold was it the National League. They look good. The white the white and gold was cold as hell. So I will I will give Rob as you always say I'll shoot Rob Manfred some bail on that one. The Commissioner of Major Man. League Baseball because I understand that one a little bit as far as like an average pan just visual appeal. Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. 
That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits. Just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself, and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it, and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road, and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed's scientific board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome. And with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic research development and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust. And it's great with convenience, too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently just like any other routine health habit. And Seed's subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine routine, again, with no refrigeration required. So trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash gojo and use code 25gojo to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25gojo. The thing that I do not understand, and this is Rob Manfred is a community that's not quite like Gary Bettman status but Rob Manfred is a guy that is constantly chided by the baseball community he's constantly accused by a lot of the people around the sport of not actually loving baseball Rob Manfred when speaking to the media during all-star weekend um was asked about minor league baseball players and their pay on Tuesday major league baseball commissioner Rob Manfred said that he quote rejects the premise that minor league players are not paid a living wage, which prompted a lot of criticism after the Senate Judiciary Committee in a letter inquired about the league's treatment of minor league players. Manfred, when asked whether owners can't afford to pay minor leaguers more or simply choose not to, said, quote, I kind of reject the premise of the question that minor league players are not paid a living wage. We've made real strides in the last few years in terms of what minor league players are played, paid even putting to one side the signing bonuses that many of them have already received. They receive housing, which is obviously another form of compensation. I just reject the premise of the question. I don't know what else to say about that. First off, Brandon, you pointed this out. Simply the verbiage chosen, I reject the premise of this question, is a weird thing just designed, I feel like, get people on their heels as a response. Right, like, like oh, oh, you're bringing me these facts? To get a response out of me? Well, I reject your facts and I say that they're opinions. Checkmate. No, like answer the question. That was it was. It was some it was like a Steve Carell office response where I'm like, wait a minute, like that's not a good point. It's just designed to sound like one. Yeah, like uh, so oh, so you think that they are getting paid uh appropriately like so you're I, that's the problem. He just showed how much he doesn't know. Or doesn't care. I like again. I, I always remind people, and I, I'm sure you know most people are aware of this. But like, 
Rob Manfred, when he speaks, is more often than not speaking on behalf of whatever the owners around Major League Baseball want out there. Commissioners are meat shields for the owners that run this league. That's why they're paid so much. And for Rob Manfred, he's paid, I think, around $17.5 million a year. $17.5 million a year. And while what's in question here is minor league players, who again, players who are not on the 40-man roster or with major league experience, receive between $4,800 and $14,700 annually and are only paid in season. Like, that's, that, that's... I don't know how there's any arguing. Like, I, I went and looked. Like, the actual poverty line, like, is somewhere around twelve and a half thousand to thirteen thousand dollars a year, depending on where you are in the U.S. I believe I'll double check that. Please don't take it as fact. It's somewhere in that range. Like, I, I'm, I'm speaking in generalizations to underscore that these guys are paid near the freaking poverty line in organizations that have billionaire owners that operate Major League Baseball. Like, that's insane, and it's ridiculous. And it's been a problem. It's one that got a lot more time and talked about during the pandemic when minor leaguers were really affected. Right. But now, especially when this comes up, for the commissioner to just say, I reject the notion that, oh, I mean, this is, Brandon, like the arguments we heard for years about not paying college players as well. You get room and board and tuition. Like, these guys aren't even getting room. These guys aren't even getting books. They're getting room and board. <laughs> right. That's it. Right. And that's supposed to offset this for grown adults that are supposed to be the farm system that a league sustains itself with. It just, and, it, it reeks of the same sort of greed that we see plague a lot of sports. But with so many of these other sports, we don't have as visible of a minor league. Like minor league baseball, right. for a lot of different reasons, is extremely visible relative to the minor leagues of other sports. You know, we just finished up the G League in the summer for the NBA. That's probably the other one that's as high vis as anything, but it's not as deep. There aren't as many layers, and I don't think it's as part of the fabric of the sport as minor league baseball has, again, been for so many reasons because local areas market them. They're things that a right. lot of places latch onto. I mean, shit. The AA affiliate for the Rockies, the Hartford Yard Goats in Connecticut, is an awesome, awesome place for everyone to go in the summer. It's an awesome rallying point in the city. There are tons of people that I'm sure have a great time and boost their businesses based off of that. And knowing that the players involved are not being paid enough to go out and probably enjoy themselves, even in downtown Hartford, which I assure you is not some bustling metropolis. And that's where most of these guys are not, you know, living in these kind of off the beaten path cities. It just, again, you're going to have a hard time explaining this. And I always am blown away when you see the people, the fans rising up to defend the billionaire's right to not pay people a wage that actually allows them to live. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing when it comes to any of these NFL players or people that play in the USFL that are trying to make a team that are still trying to be active. Uh, and, and if you can afford to continue to try to live your dreams playing the sport that you love then that's a whole other story but you're you're able to afford it by supplemental income from your parents helping out savings maybe you had that one day uh where you got called up to majors and you have that that paycheck sit, sitting somewhere listen i have a how do i say this my ex-brother-in-law there you go my ex-brother-in-law, the, the father, the fathers of of my nephew and niece, uh, was a, is still a minor leaguer. And when he jumped around from the 
Long Long Island Ducks to the Bridgeport Bluefish, and when he was really making money at the, the Toledo Mud Hens, like all of that time period, like you're 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 in the minimum wage bracket. Now, obviously, that changes based on uh, the like the Mud Hens are Triple A, so they pay a little bit better. But and and obviously, he was uh, Daniel Fields Jr. is his name, and he was called up to the Tigers for one game when after playing with the Mud Hens. So that's kind of they're they're kind of tied. But once you get to the Indy League, like those Long Island teams, I mean that's fast food money. And you can only afford to keep playing and keep trying if you have the resources outside of yourself. It's much like how I don't know how I mean after the NIL deal this changes, but much like a lot of college football players or a lot of college athletes have to do while, while they're there on campus is rubbing sticks together, trying to make it work and, and ha- having uh, someone to help in some place to get the basic needs. And, and that's how it used to be when you and I were there. And thankfully it's right. getting different for college players now. And when you talk about those independent leagues, I understand that, you know, for like that, the USFL is a great comparison because that's not a league affiliated with the NFL. So I can mm. understand like, Hey, you're you're at the liberty right. of whoever's funding. Like I I played in the FXFL and I understood. Hey, this is not a league that is funded by the National Football League, and so it's going to be hit or miss. I mean, we didn't get paid for the last three weeks of that season. Had no, didn't get it all. But again, Still I didn't couldn't get gripe. It. These guys are employees that are paid out by Major League Baseball. These minor league teams get their money from the major league teams that they're affiliated with. And so that's the part of this that becomes laughable. This is also in the wake of earlier this week, Major League Baseball settled a $185 million class action lawsuit by minor leaguers who alleged minimum wage and overtime violations by teams. The settlement covers twenty over 20,000 players and is going to distribute more than $120 million across that group and calls for Major League Baseball to allow teams to play minor leaguers during spring training, extended spring training, and an instructional league. So... Like, this is not something that is without very recent precedence of the minor leaguers looking up and getting retribution for the way they believe they have been mistreated by Major League Baseball. And for so long, I think it was just out of sight, out of mind. But now that they have spoke up, now that the media has seen this and latched on to the cause of these people that are not the millionaires fighting the billionaires, these are the hundred and thousandaires trying to fight against the millionaires in this situation. I don't know how there's another side of this for people people to be on i truly don't well i mean especially now that we're entering a territory where minor league football is the ncaa and seems like if we had to average out they're probably making a little bit more than uh minimum wage right it's it's a great point they're not connected to the they're not connected to the teat of the nfl in a more direct way it's wild, man. So, again, two steps forward, one step back almost always for Major League Baseball. And this probably won't have larger-scale ramifications. But, again, for Rob Manford, like, man, you had things going in the right direction all All-Star weekend. This seemed to be a good thing. And then on the way out, this is how you decide to stub your toe by just poo-pooing what's going on with the minor leaguers and the way that they're paid. Especially after him doing the draft the way we did this year with the, with the uh, MLB like making it the in-person draft, like all these, all those players that were there, not that they're definitely minor league players, but this is, this is where some of their homes might be. Right. It's just, 
Like, it's such a firmly ingrained part of this system for so long. And the fact that it's 2022 in an industry that is, listen, the way pro sports is. I understand that not every pro sports league is the NFL. But man, oh man, I don't think most of these uh, MLB teams can cry poverty. So, we'll wait and see what comes of it. But this is just one of those spots where Rob Manfred, definitely not doing well for yourself in the court of public opinion or anything else or with your constituents here in Major League Baseball. Brandon, before we go any further though, as we transition back inside, I do want to give a shout out to uh, someone that kept us good and right while we were outside during the MLB All-Star festivities and that is our new partner in Knock Around Sunglasses. It was exceptional. I felt like I was looking good, feeling good out in the sunshine in Los Angeles. I had you snapping a lot of pictures of me to preserve them for posterity. You look great did look great and the thing with me and sunglasses has always been i'm very afraid of like going out and finding a pair of sunglasses that i like and paying a lot of money for them because i go out and i live in them i run in sunglasses i take them to the beach i do all sorts of stuff in them and so my tendency is to you know lose worry about breaking them all these different things knock around sunglasses cost about 30 dollars a pair they're awesome 15 different play- frames, a bunch of different colors. You sh- saw me rock like four different frames while we were here in a matter of like a two and a half day span here. You can customize them yourself. It's awesome and it's a blast. And again, they're 30 bucks on average here. Like these are very affordable sunglasses that somehow also managed to look so cool that one of my friends legitimately looked at me in the sunglasses, took them off my face and said, these will look even better on me than they do on you. And I never got them back. And I understand. Mm, mm, I get mm, it. Mm. I get it, Brandon. They're lightweight. They've got great clarity. They're polarized sunglasses here. And you can get hey, that makes a difference. It does. It's huge. Polarized. Hey, yeah, if y'all don't know, if y'all, if, it's like one of those adult things. Like, once you get a chance to treat yourself to some polarized lenses, you don't go back. No, listen, and it is true. It's part of adulthood. It's talking about the UV index. It's starting to discuss real estate in a pretty readily fa- ready fashion at parties with your other 30-plus-year-old yep. friends. And it's understanding that the word polarized is going to matter to you when you are out here underneath the hot summer sun. Knockaround sunglasses are high-quality polarized sunglasses at a truly affordable price. Check out their huge range of shades. Head to knockaround.com. Now, Brandon... I, uh, the thing happened again yesterday, so. You shit yourself? Not, not yet. Not yet. Oh. Shout out to my nephew, Jackson, who, uh, is taking over the mantle of shitting himself routinely for the family. Now, he is like a, you know, <laughs> few week old baby, so I guess that's more allowed, but man, that kid is like power shitting his pants from what my brother has told me. Like, my brother's text was, sent a shiver down my spine. And that was somewhere <laughs> around 1 o'clock in the morning. The kid, the baby is also apparently nocturnal, too. So they're trying to figure oh. out, like, is he just, is, is day and night different for him forever? How do we get him back on the normal track here? They're wondering if they're just going to have to become vampires and night scavengers now. It's it's a very weird thing, being a parent, because it's it's so hard that when you hear about new parents experiencing that difficulty, you don't feel sympathy. You feel like joy. You like you're like 
You're like, you're like, yes, yes, if yes. I, if I had to do it, so do you. So do you, Poopy. You will figure it out like we all have. And it's a shame that no one talks about how hard this is before they talk about the sex. That is true. They always lead with the sex, and that is yeah. a damn shame. But Brandon, no, I did not poop my pants <laughs> yesterday. Uh, I saw the story that... I feel like as a Notre Dame alum, and especially a Notre Dame alum of the years that we were there, I get asked about almost more than anything because a trailer dropped the other day. Netflix's Untold series released a trailer for a new uh, feature called The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist, which will chronicle the shocking saga of Manti Teo, former Notre Dame linebacker, former Heisman runner-up, as the target of a catfishing hoax during the 2012 season. The documentary will seek to tell the complete story about how Teo's supposed girlfriend, Lene Kakua, didn't actually exist and the entire media firestorm that the story generated at the time. So, Brandon, there's a couple of interesting background things to note here, but like initially for you, because when I saw this, I went, oh no, I'm going to get asked about this again. That's almost why I brought it up on the podcast, because it's like, you can't hurt me with it if I just go ahead and address it first. Because this was something that we were all, as Notre Dame alums, mocked for, asked about, ridiculed about. So when you saw this headline, Brandon, what was your initial <sighs> reaction? Because mine was, oh God. I, I knew this was coming. I knew this had kind of been in the works from the stuff that you had heard around. But I still wasn't prepared to see August 16th as a date where this is going to be out again rehashing this story for the world. It honestly, honestly, it honestly, it honestly feels like Are you okay? a like. <laughs> I I already moved past the fact that I made that hiccup. And we're 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 on the other side. Of we're the on to Cincinnati. Hill. Yeah, we're on to Cincinnati. Um, it honestly feels like uh something that's haunting me. It's like a storyline that's that's, and obviously it probably haunts. Manti, a lot worse. Ha- haunts. Michelle says I, say, I don't say that properly. This is like when you used to pronounce cold code. I used to. Uh, no, this this storyline is, is is haunting me. Honestly, like I, I feel like I was over this. Uh, something we often get talked, we get asked, uh, like, oh, you play football at Notre Dame? Oh, like, who are some big names that you uh, played with? And I run through a lot of them, and then – like literally after I, I get done talking to that person, I think about Manti. I was like, oh, I didn't mention that. Because like Manti was the biggest headline in late night TV versus like a, such a, a big name when it comes to the athletic. Like this story took over his career in a crazy way, mainly near the back end of his time in Notre Dame and especially in the NFL. So I, I, I don't, you know, it's one of those things that, I often forget about, and then when it comes up again, I'm like, oh, yeah, that. Yeah, I'd agree, Brandon. And, like, it really is, in that in that regard, strange, because you're right. Like, it's a story we've all tried to distance ourselves from, because, like, I remember where I was when it broke. I was at a postseason all-star game after college with Robbie Toma, who was a wide receiver on our team, who was a teammate of Manti's in high school at Punao, uh, the high school they went to in Hawaii. Yes. And I remember when I was there when it broke during that week, and we were getting shit from everybody. Man, don't you guys have real girls at Notre Dame? Yada, 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 all that stuff. And I just was like, all right, I really don't feel like having to 
to deal with this right now. That was or defend or defend Manti right now. Like that was my I, I, that was my that was my big thing is like it, it felt like we had to come to Manti's aid for this headline, and I was not about to do that. It was one of those things, Brandon, where it also skewed like. Because I wasn't close with Manti on the team. I've, all, I've never made any, like, bones about that. Like, I didn't hang out with the guy a lot. He was on a different position group than I was, different side of the ball than I was. We didn't just we didn't run together. He was younger than me, all that stuff. Yeah. But, like, there is no denying. And this was a text I got from a friend on the team. He's like, hey, man, we can say whatever we want about this situation here. That dude could play some fucking college football. Like, that was a damn oh. good college football player. And listen, C-ball, get ball. Skill, skill, like, skill set reasons and athleticism reasons why he wasn't going to be able to play the same style of game in the NFL. That dude was a really good college football player at a place that's yes. seen some really good linebackers come through. But there's no denying Man. that. But the, the background of the story is also, remember a while back, Don Van Nata and ESPN did a feature piece about this where I believe Manti was supposed to potentially be a part of it, ended up not being a part of it for whatever reasons there now that story runs but when you don't have the subject of the story involved in all of that it certainly affects just how much of it you can tell but Don Manata is a journalism that, a journalist that most people trust looking at this story trying to dig and find all the different angles of it because it happened so fast during that season Brandon I was there during that 2012 season you were at Ball State and we were watching this happen from week two on as what started off was something that most of us myself included didn't really pay attention to. New Manti supposedly had the girlfriend that we met at Stanford or whatever the story was. Knew all the stuff about how they would talk to each other on the phone at night and all that stuff that got out there. Didn't really matter to me because it wasn't someone I was close with. Wasn't a girl I was dating. So we kept it moving. And then all of a sudden, not only does that story become such a big part of what's going on in the media, but then our season goes the way it does. And Manti as a middle linebacker has seven interceptions in a college football season, which is fucking bonkers for anyone that does not understand. That is completely out of the ordinary for a player at that position. And a huge I would say inside linebacker who, who, who goes and hunts balls the way he does. The heat-seeking missile type of linebacker that Manti Teo was for him to have seven interceptions right, was, like, was, was a testament to him how he was actually just balling. Balling. So, like, all that was going on. And so, like, at the core of all this always is for me, Brandon, it's like the question that I'm sure, you know, people wanted when they were looking at Don's story, people wanted when they're going to watch this documentary. Because, again, Manti has sat for this one. His face is all over the previews for the documentary here. It seems to be an opportunity, I'm sure, in his world to tell his story in a different way as a response to that piece. And I don't know also don't what, like, what net, because this is going to run on Netflix. So I don't know what he was paid for this. But I look at it and go, all right, the core question of this always was, did people believe that Manti was somehow in on this elaborate hoax as a means of generating PR for himself in a year where he ended up finishing runner-up to Johnny Manziel on the Heisman Trophy, or do they believe that he was really duped in this process? And I will always side, as someone who was there along the way and shared a locker room with him the way that you did, I'll always fall back on, I didn't believe that the guy that I knew there was capable of masterminding some scheme. 
I didn't think he was capable of reading the future, that that would be the kind of season that it was, that that media story would have the kind of legs that it did and become the center of what was an eventual Heisman Trophy campaign for Manti. I don't think there's a world where he could have seen all of that and known all of that. I think that was someone that got caught up in trying to normalize a situation that was highly abnormal even before the supposed death of the girlfriend and then the rest of it got away from him from there and we went along the ride for a season because everyone was having a good time and then the whole thing came crashing down during bowl practice for him we all didn't find out till after but for him it all came crashing down there and so there's part of me that looks at it and goes man I guess if there's a chance to make a buck off the story that is going to be the thing that defines Manti Teo when there's a word association for him for the rest of his life around college football circles. I guess go ahead and get your money if there's money out there. And I don't, I don't know if there is. I'm not reporting that you know what he got paid on that or if he got paid on that. But I'm assuming that with Netflix, there's probably some sort of financial compensation involved. Oh yeah, obviously he he, he should get paid because it's his story and it happened to him and. A lot of people, a lot of other people got paid off of telling this story and making jokes about this story. Um, my thing is, just because this, this is coming out and it's uh, an untold documentary and there's violin playing in the, in the trailer it's to a let great, you know how it's a, serious. It's a great trailer, by the way. Like, objectively, <laughs> it's a great trailer. And I saw a lot of people making the joke even of, what if it was just a trailer and there was not actually a movie? which I appreciate the met, the meta that went into that, but elite trailer actually had me interested to watch a documentary about a story that I already know at a level that most other people will never really know. Well, I'm glad you say that because in my opinion, I don't feel like anyone will learn anything from this story more than they have after watching this, because I think that this I don't know if I don't know if anyone ever comes to the gets to the truth of this, and I, it's one of those stories that, that with the with the multiple people that were behind catfishing, with the the popularity of catfish on MTV at the time, like all the things that were going on during that time period. I I know that whatever version of the truth that Manti experienced is his version, and I hope we get that version of the story. But the truth about this thing, I don't know if we're I don't know if this is going to answer. I don't know if this is going to like illuminate people uh, on on something that they've like. This isn't going to complete someone's corkscrew board of the Manti Teo story at Notre Dame and the fake girlfriend. I, I think this is entertainment, and this is what Netflix does very well. And it was entertaining once it hit the the streets. Uh, good season or not, like he was. Yes, he was on the front cover of Sports Illustrated, so it made it one of those things that had to be talked about everywhere and always and obviously he was having the season that he was having but i don't know if this is going to be the the smoking gun the way that some people are are hoping it is going to be oh, this yeah. is just a reminder that this happened and a retelling of the story from the person who's actually going through it yeah i i agree i i don't think anyone's going to learn anything that probably doesn't make paint manti in a positive light in this like and again if he's the one telling the story in this, then I would imagine because they've got, you know, the the person that was behind the Lene, Lene Kakua moniker sitting for this as well. 
I'd imagine that this is going to be a documentary that is going to be told largely from the vantage point of getting the version of this out there that Manti wants out there, what his truth in this situation is. And again, like you said, I'm not here to dispute whether it's the truth or not. Him and that other person involved are really going to be the only ones that know that, and they're the ones telling the story here. So we're going to get their version of the story in this, and we're going to get this all discussed all over again who knows maybe it won't catch i mean even the van notice or again like once the espn one when there was no manti involved in it i think for me i was also just kind of done with the story at that point maybe it's just a testament to the strength of the trailer i may actually give this one a watch well i see in the trailer that are the the, uh the description of the documentary on netflix they don't say the words notre dame which i'm interested in how much they omit that in the story because obviously the university the team that that season has so much to do with the story you know what i mean if this happens at washington state it's not covered the same way so i'm, I'm interested in, in in how how much actual notre dame access they have or we're gonna be watching a bunch of feeds from somebody oh i mean no a, they, uh, they used a bunch of game footage in the t- in the preview i see so i see that but i don't be, know it's gonna be in there they can't use it in the preview and then not use it in the documentary. It's going to be there. Notre Dame. Yes, Jack, they can. Dame, Are you, have, you, have you watched the Marvels movie? Notre Dame athletic director Jack Swarbrick appears to be one of the people interviewed for the documentary as well. So I, I don't think access will be the issue here because, again, it's being told from the standpoint. We'll see. Or it's being told at least involving the protagonist. I don't know what perspective it's being told from, how it's going to be framed. That's going to be the stuff that we have to watch for on that one. So that is what we've got out of that. Brandon, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to get to see which version of this, that, and the third the people get today. (laughs) The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, Brandon. Something always real. Never fake. The end of this podcast. So, Brandon, I ask you, uncertain of the answer, do you know what time it is? I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. Woo! This, that, the third. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I kind of dig it. I kind of dig it. It's still not popular. Well, I didn't, you let me finish. Look, you let me finish. Well, I, I let I. I didn't. Uh, to I'm be sorry, Miss Jackson. I let you. What? I let you finish. You stopped yourself with laughter. 
Okay, that's fair. Because I, I don't know if the... Do people, do people, do you know what that is? Do people know what that is? I would, I would think most people, like, even, even the people that look like me that didn't spend as much time in a locker room probably know Miss Jackson. Oh my gosh, you, the, the way, I'm upset that everyone didn't get a chance to see how you looked at me, because it, it, it was, it was, it was truly funny. It was, uh, if I could put it in words, it was, the fuck? Yes, it was. It was very much like the dog cocking its head gif. Uh, Pardon me, sir? What what is this you say? All right. Still probably not better than Papa Roach, but I think one of your better submissions. That's in the upper echelon of this. Again, at Gojo Show on Twitter, let us know if Papa Roach is still the reigning champ. Five stars, review, Apple Podcasts. You guys know the drill by now. Let's keep it up yeah. and make sure we understand. We've got to give Brandon some help on this one. He has worked hard in creating for us. We have to make sure that he has our support. We will get to this, that, and third in just one second, Brandon. But first, we got to tell you about our friends at Dr. Emil Nutrition. Dr. Emil Nutrition believes that being healthy and getting healthy should actually make you feel better. Not just someday, but every day. They make holistic health and happiness accessible to everyone. Dr. Emil was a doctor who worked hard to craft his own health journey. Now he wants to help you on yours because it's just that. It's not just about the destination. It's about the journey on that one. I will say, Brandon, as far as like the Dr. Meal products that I actually like, I feel like both of us can appreciate a good pre-workout supplement. As people Absolutely. who used to lift big things in the weight room, you more so than me, we have all dry-scooped our fair share oh, of protein you. powder, tried to mix it in with as little water as possible, and get that like skin-splitting feeling that would allow you to move the damn weight. Yes, uh, anything that's going to get me, anything that's going to get me sweating before I actually do to start the things that that get me to sweat is good for me. Well, and it was back then when we were trying to move like 400 and 500 pounds in some instances. But now, and for right. most people in your daily life, a lot of those make you jittery. A lot of those. You know, this, the Dr. Emil pre-workout, allows you to push hard, gives you that everyday edge without making you feel on edge, without making you feel super jittery, getting that skin tingle in there. And then you could double that up because we know recovery is an important part of any athlete's training process. You can get great uh, quality sleep with their easy dose sleep support, which is going to help improve your immune system, improve your mood, your disposition, leave you feeling in a better mood to go and tackle what you got to do for the day. Dr. Emil's array of natural, high-quality supplements were hand-selected to enhance each aspect of your personal wellness journey. So visit DrEmilNutrition.com. Use the discount code GOJO20 for 20% off plus free shipping on all orders. That's Dr. Emil, spelled D-R-E-M-I-L, Nutrition.com. All right, Brandon. Speaking of strong reactions, let's get to this because a shocking announcement in the world of... (sighs) Internet, podcast, late night content hit the streets the other day here. And I got to witness your face when I delivered you the news. I truly thought there were going to be tears that followed. (laughs) From the official show handle of Showtime's Jesus and Mero came the news. This is from the tweet. Bodega Hive. The illustrious Jesus Nice and Kid Mero will be pursuing separate career endeavors moving forward. Jesus and Mero will not be returning to Showtime. It's been a good run, fam. Oof. All right, Brandon, talk me through your Oof. talk me through your response on this one because I, I think, like a lot of people, and listen, Jesus and Mero came to prominence through the Bodega Boys podcast. They were something yes. that 
I think especially Northeasterners, New Yorkers really could embrace. They grew to be such a big thing. They were on Vice. They had the show on Vice. Ended up moving over to Showtime. And they had become a really big name. They had gotten so many illustrious guests. And just in general, they were like a late night show for a younger generation that I think that made a lot of different groups feel like they got seen in a place where normally that hadn't been the case. And so to see this come to an end is like one of those things when celebrity couples break up where I'm like, oh, okay, love just isn't real. That's fine. Yes, that 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 is the one of the moments. Like I, I would have bet that Will and Jada get a divorce before Deez and Meryl did. Like this is like this is where I'm at with this. Like I would have bet that Ben and J-Lo, who just recently got married, would have gotten married and divorced again before DeSimero split. Like, this was very, very, very sad. As somebody whose uh, job is in producing podcasts and has been for a very, very long time, you follow the market. You follow the, the people. You follow the white whales. You follow the unicorns and see if you can replicate that level of chemistry, that level of honesty, that level of hilarity, that level of clarity, and the level of simplicity that the show brought to the table uh, behind these two guys that are just just New York through and through, Bronx baby, and I don't. It's it's very disheartening to see that whatever was not seen is like. This happens all the time. Like people, groups, and all the things. Like they may not be all, clear, but like I own their book. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I've read their silly little thoughts. Like, like it's they're so like yin and yang. And and I was I was brought to them by Charlemagne the God. Actually, he had them on one of their sh- on his show on MTV Two back in like 2013. Just coming in doing little stupid stuff with little sound machines. And I was like, oh, these guys are great. And then I got d- deeper and deeper. I was like, oh, they really are great. And then I saw how Denzel Washington thought they were great. I'm almost proud that they were able to keep it together and keep it so successful for so long and so professional, knowing that they essentially were having like backstage beef for so long. But it's just sad to see this end. It's sad to see. I was. This is com- comparable to when Kelly and Michael Ripa, uh, Michael Strahan and Kelly Ripa broke up for me. Like that was that was that was a big deal for me. Yeah. And that and that one was one that was like created out of nowhere compared to this like actual friendship. Like the Bodega Boys podcast, I stopped listening to them a long time ago, but it was a, a really, 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 really good podcast. They had funny skits off the top, and they were really just they they set the tone for how how we do a lot of people do things now. And they were one of the the leading voices in the media right now. And and I hope they continue to be. But I like them together. It's gonna be weird. It's uh, I mean, I don't want to like put a weird wall painting up on this thing, but like it's a you know smile, be, you know don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened kind of situation. Like yes, what they did was still very important, like you said, for a lot of people that now see themselves or did see themselves in them. I'm sure they'll still be around the space, but uh, man, uh, I, I guess BX all day still somehow, but uh. Very sad to see that news come out of all of this, Brandon. So let's give people yeah. the happier news with that because let's do it. Let's do it. that was something you made me aware of today. Toys R Us is making a comeback. Toys yes. R Us will now be in every Macy's store in the next few months as part of an expanded partnership with the toy parent toy retailer's parent company, WHP Global. Toys, uh, Toys R Us went bankrupt and closed all its stores back in 2018. 
and has attempted several unsuccessful comebacks via various owners since then. So, Brandon, does that excite you at all, especially as a father with young children here? Does Toy Arts R Us being back in the life the way it was for us do anything for you? You know what? I, I At first, I would say no, because if you take something and put it in something else, it's no longer that thing. Like, now it's, it's Toys R Us at Macy's. That's not like Sephora is like has standalone stores, but at the end of the day, it's just a store that should be in a Macy's, well, like a makeup counter that should be in a Macy's. It's like when you put one like dessert inside of another, right? Like when you have like a brownie with like Oreos filled like in this. it. It's a brownie. It's not an Oreo at that point. It's just a brownie that happens to have Oreos in it. This is just a Macy's that happens to have a Toys R Us in it. Okay, so what do you think about bazookies though? That's a little more of like, well, Pazuki isn't Pazuki the cookie uh, thing with the ice cream on top? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, those are, that's on top is different. It's like two separate. Well, I, I'm, I'm thinking it's more like a pie, though. It's like a cookie pie. Well, yeah, it is. But, like, it's not one thing contained in the other. Like, I would even say like a crownie, like a, you know, like a, a, brown, oh, yes, a cookie okay. brownie. That's a half and half. So that is equal parts. That's a merger. That's, you know. Closer to that, this is the other one is like you are just like a vessel inside this other thing. You're carrying it like it's your own. I'm not I, I'm not going to forget to talk about Toys R Us, but what do you think about cookie cake, though? Not cookie cake, ice cream cake. Um, ice cream cake is, I would say, probably more ice cream than cake, but that one's probably a, like another one that I would consider a merger. Like that's equal parts. Okay, equal parts. Okay. Yes. And that's not going to be the case with Toys R Us and Macy's. I love Toys R Us. It was very, very important to me. This might as well be putting Toys R Us in the Charlotte airport. Like, I, I don't think it's going to move any mountains. Like, it's not going to mean the same thing to me as it did, it did to my child. And I think that's how traditions start, right? Like, it's like forcing nostalgia onto our children. Like, you will like this as much as I did when I was five. Like, they're not going to get that at the Toys R Us and Macy's. They're going to... You know, they, they're going to have just as much fun hiding in the clothes like I did in Macy's than, like, like let's go to Macy's to go to Toys R Us. Like, no, Toys R Us, it was, it, was a, it, was, it was special because it was massive. So this brings up to me a larger point of discussion because I'm with you. Toys R Us was not as foundational a part of my childhood, but I appreciated that it was there. And I, like, yes. I enjoyed that aesthetic of it. So I'm kind of with you. The though. big book. Did you guys get the big book for Christmas? I don't know what that is. No. They they had like they had like a big basically like a catalog, but they had all the new shit, and you just they would just drop it at your, in the mail, and you could just flip through all the newest toys. I may have, but like I don't, East Bay, like yeah, I remember East Toys Bay. R Us East Bay. Got it. Okay. I didn't have that, but it brings up the larger question for me, Brandon. And I asked this of my brother the other day and his wife, and I'm asking it of you as a parent. Like, is there a thing you're most looking forward to reliving through your child that you loved in your childhood? Because like, I was going through Target the other day, and I went through the school supplies section, and I was like, damn, I Ooh. wish I had a reason to buy some fresh school supplies right now oh, for a young man. person in my life. And then I realized. My nephew Jackson is now going to be someone that I can go and ball out and buy like sweet pencil cases for different spiral yes. notebooks, Lisa Frank folders, all that shit. So is there anything that like you love from your life that you're looking forward to getting to experience through your kids? I don't even know if it's going to be through, but like I want to, I want to like know what's going on and like see, but the first day fits. Ooh. 
First they fit behavior, first they fit anxiety, first they fit excitement. Like I want to like, I, I would know that day is going to be coming, right? And I know, and I, obviously I'll probably have, you know, went out and helped buy the clothes and pick some out and X, Y, and Z. He already has, he's two and a, he's like two and like wants to wear specific things already. So I'm excited to see that like that because I was thinking like living through like there I trust me when it comes to sports and things like that you're you're already kind of thinking about it a little bit so you try not to think about it um but that that excitement to go kill them with a fit and, and impress somebody like I want to see what that I want to see how that manifests the first day Carter walks downstairs with an outfit where you can tell he's feeling himself a little bit <laughs> yes like y'all see you with your backpack on one shoulder. Ooh, that is that is going to be real good here to see the backpack development here. To just watch in general how your kids swag out as they go through life. Like what yes. ends up becoming the thing that they latch on to as cool. So What did Jake and Jenny say? Um I don't remember. I only remember you... I only remember my answer because I'm selfish. Oh, what was yours? I'm my sorry, answer, I should have said my that. Answer, my answer was back to school shopping. Thought that'd be cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's that, that fresh pencil. Oh, the other, I mean, the other one that came up, though, was Christmas. Getting to experience Christmas. childlike wonder and watching someone have the joy of opening up presents on Christmas morning when it's all so fresh and real and wonderful for them. Yeah, that's that's yeah. pretty, like, I, I've talked to a that's, lot of parents who said that's pretty dope. Yeah, Michelle. Michelle's on that. That's those are for people who had happy Christmas memories. I don't not. Actually, my happy Christmas memories are tied to Toys R Us. There you go. It all comes full circle. Sound the trumpets! It's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIC. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. Brandon, let's get to the third because this prompts another question here. Um, this was in Marshfield, Missouri. A group of fast food restaurants in that local area decided to have a sign war that started by McDonald's. They were all in the area and you know those roadside highway signs that have messages on them. McDonald's shouted it out and said, hey, do you want to have a sign war with what appeared to be a local Dairy Queen, uh, McDonald's, an Arvest Bank... Uh, I think a Ooh. Wendy's got involved. Um, a local Did Mexican, you the DQ? a local Mexican restaurant. Okay, it was mainly the DQ and the McDonald's then that went back and forth. And Brandon, it was a lot of what you would expect: conversations about the McDonald's ice cream machine being broken. Um, I thought the best line from Wendy's on the sign was, "Why dine with a clown when you can dine with a queen?" 
Wow. At the Dairy Oh, this I was the Dairy that. Queen. Sorry, I misspoke and said Wendy's with the Queen. At Dairy I, Queen. I was I was a little bit yeah. I was like I was like, oh okay, Wendy. I guess Wendy is calling herself Miss Wendy Queen. I see you. But she deserves Wendy Williams. She's sending sending folks square meals all the time. But uh Brandon, to me this prompts a larger question because while I appreciate Dairy Queen and McDonald's as establishments, I both frequented going at it. Are there two fast food joints you actually would like to see square up? Ooh. Yes. I think I think they I, and I think this needs to be settled and this may not be considered fast food but because there only needs to be one of these like I need one of them to go away in perpetuity Shake Shack who's my favorite I need Shake Shack and Smashburger to fight cuz I Ooh. I keep getting them mixed up and they're too close to each other and they they act like they provide the same value and they don't I need one of y'all to die and not literally but just fight like celebrity death match <laughs> Smashburger versus Shake Shack. One gotta go. I'm just imagining the scene from Godzilla where they zoom in on that guy's face. Goes, Let them fight. <laughs> Let them fight. I agree. Redundant ones like that would be interesting. Speaking of burgers, though, I also love the coastal idea of Shake Shack and In-N-Out Burger having to fight it out. Ooh. I do like that. Like the idea yeah, the the... Big chains. Because I've, I've been on record in the past of slandering In-N-Out Burger as like mostly overhyped especially compared to some other burgers in the fast food ecosystem. I went back. You're incorrect and, about that, but yes. I mean, I, I think I'm mostly right. And like, again, the fries there are not great. Like that's obviously. Okay, that's not. This, you're they're not, low blow. They're not. Yeah, low blow. They're not, they're not great. The milkshake's a little better than I remembered here. But like in general, my argument always was five guys. But I understand in my age, I've understood different price point. You're paying more for the burger at five guys. So of course it's a better burger. Like that that shouldn't be shocking. Uh, it's a better okay, Grant, it's a better sure. burger. Then what? Than in and out burger. Okay, no, that's not true. Five guys is a better burger than an in and out burger. Full stop. No, it's not. But but like a Brandon You are are you talking about a little burger or a big burger from Five Guys? Ooh. I'm saying that any burger from Five Guys is better than any burger from In N Out Burger. And that, that to is me is insane. It's, it's not a controversial take because you're paying for it. Like you're paying more for the burger. At, no, stop. You're paying stop, more stop, for the no. burger five guys. That you're is, getting but, more quality because you pay for it there. But for the price point it's at, I'm saying its competitors in and out is better than I was giving it credit for. I understand that five star restaurants cost more more than three star restaurants, but I'm trying to tell you that the fact that five guys is overinflating their their every item on their menu has nothing to do with their quality being better than In-N-Out's, which is the most cost-effective meal you can have in Los Angeles. I understand that. I am acknowledging and that and and the best quality. It's not. It's it, it's. I, I I won't go that far. Like I was trying. I've been warring with the In-N-Out crowd for years now on this and i was trying to finally extend the olive branch and say all right you know what i understand i understand what you guys are saying that for the price this is a pretty damn good burger and i would agree but i will not go farther and say no it is not a better burger than in and out burger or excuse me it is not a better burger yeah, no. than five guys the in and out burger is not listen, a better burger than five guys i, I, I have just, not you can't, encountered you can't make me listen, lie on this you can't make me lie as an as an In-N-Out Burger guy, I've been in wars with you people for a very, very long time. And yes, I do mean you people. But the fact, I, I, the argument that I hear that I will stomach, L.A. Brandon will stomach, is the concept that the best thing on your menu can't be on your secret menu, which is the case for In-N-Out. 
animal style. Yeah, that that to me doesn't matter. Like I understand like the weird. If if, if to have it, but but no, but that's the thing though. Like with the fries, the fries need to ask for them well done for them to hit the way they're supposed to hit, and probably animal style them things. So for to make the thing the best quality possible, and it's not visually on the board. Like no tourists can come in and just order it because it's not available. It's not like laid out in layman's terms to in detail like the cheesecake factory. I, Brent, I can I wonder, see how that I, I can see how that takes a step a, back. I wonder if that's still a problem now in 2022. It's like how Marvel post-credit scenes used to be a thing, and now you can just look them up online after a couple of days. Like yeah, I'd imagine most people who go to five or in and out burger on vacations kind of know to ask for the like it's not like a new phenomenon anymore. It's a tourist attraction. It's like going to Nashville for your bachelorette party. It's not original anymore. And I'll wow. tell you the other thing is the other thing that gets me with in and out is I'm never going to wait in a line for that burger, ever. The one thing that's grossly out of proportion there is the demand versus what you're actually getting. Like, again, for the price point, it's good. I'm not waiting in a line 20 deep of cars to go and get that burger. What a waste of my time. I could what, go down. What burger would you go get? What burger would you? Because if you want an In-N-Out burger, nothing else is going to suffice. Brandon, if I was, if I went to In-N-Out burger, maybe a high ho chi burger. Brandon, you want to go stay in L.A. Brandon, if I went to In-N-Out burger and saw the lines that are usually there, and I don't even have to say if, when, because I've done this. I will go down the street to Wendy's and have a perfectly fine, perfectly comparable You're burger. Not, no, that's and that's how I know you a newbie ass person in L.A. They ain't got Wendy's at, on every corner like they got McDonald's in every corner in L.A. Scottsdale. Wendy's are are are, Scottsdale. are very Scottsdale, Scottsdale, Scottsdale. Kiss my whole ass, Brandon. Trying to L.A. mansplain me this bullshit like I haven't been fat just as long as you. What, okay, yeah. what's the third? Yeah. What's the third? I like the idea of us like getting an actual beef over burger taste. <laughs> like actually pissed. Like I'm not texting you after this. That Brandon, your damn that, burger taste. That was the third. We got so lost in oh, okay. the sauce on this. Oof. At Gojo. I, at Gojo Show. <laughs> make make your case right now. Cause again, I was trying to be the bigger person here in the burger battle and say, hey, I understand in and out burger what your appeal has been and what we've talked about. I had a good time the last time I went there, but Brandon. Wants to take it a step too far. At Gojo Show on Twitter. Tell us which side you fall on. Hey, we appreciate you following us all the way to the end of this podcast to hear this argument here. If you liked it, download, subscribe, rate, and review. Tell your friends. Put on automatic downloads. Unsubscribe. Resubscribe. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Maybe with your preference of fast food burger here. We appreciate you. Ooh. We love you. We'll talk to you.